Welcome to the Display the Gospel podcast, a place where we will explore topics related to the Christian life in order to demonstrate and declare the gospel as followers of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Brett, and we are going to be continuing in a series called Gospel-Centered Stewardship. And in this series, um, we've covered a lot of different topics about a lot of different things that all relate to the reality that God has entrusted to us a lot of stuff, and uh, the reality that our life is not our own. And the next topic we're going to look at today, briefly, and a lot could be said about this, and we might break this into multiple parts, is your money. And uh, so there's a lot of things, again, that could be said, but the very I'm going to walk through three three main points that I think are helpful as we think about money in light of the concept of stewardship. This is probably the most common topic that comes to mind when you hear the word stewardship, especially if you are a Christian and you've grown up uh, in the Christian church. Uh, usually the word stewardship is thought of as synonymous with money. However, uh, stewardship is a broader uh Thing that is related to many other topics besides money, but today we're going to talk about money. And the first thing that I think is important to remember as a timeless truth is that in terms of the money that we have, uh, we're, we are managers, not owners. Now, this is obviously coming from a biblical worldview that recognizes the reality that Scripture informs us that God owns everything. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. We also recognize uh, from the Genesis account that God created everything. God spoke the universe into being, and we are part of that. We are part of that creation. And so this concept of that we are managers, not owners, I think is very helpful for us as Christians because in our little uh, earthly world down here, even as Christians, I think we can oftentimes begin to think that we are actually in charge uh, because we have a job, uh, we have a car, we might have a house, we might have children and family, we may have resources, we may have possessions, we may have investments, uh, we have plans, we have dreams, uh, we have goals. And all of these things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. These are good things, and many of them uh, I believe God has given to us to to be a blessing to our life. However, we must remember the broader 30,000-foot view of our little life here on earth is that God owns everything, just like that psalm said in 24, that the, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So he actually is the owner of my life. He is the owner of my home. He's the owner of my car, my family, and he's the owner of my money. And what we see biblically is that God has entrusted to me and to you the stewardship of my money. And so the money that I have has been given to me to hopefully be managed in such a way that it, it brings God glory. And that's the second point today is that, that if we're not owners, but we're actually managers, then I'm managing someone else's money. And so if I'm managing someone else's money, that's a, that's a big responsibility because ultimately I'm going to be held accountable to some degree to how I did a good job or not a good job at managing those resources. And so the second point that I think is a timeless truth for us to think about today is that God's resources 
must be managed in a way that bring him glory. So if he has given me a job, then he has provided a way for me to have money to provide for myself and my family and the things that we actually need. In addition to that, as a Christian then, I've also recognized that, that my life is not my own. We read that in Galatians 2.20, which basically says that, that we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And therefore, the life that I live, I'm not living for myself, but I live for him. I live in the spirit. I live for his purposes. I live for God's agenda. And so as a Christian, with my money, my money should be used in ways that advance the gospel, not just advance me. And so there's this other dynamic here that I'm managing God's money. He's given it to me to to steward and to manage it, to do things with it. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we using our money in a way that promotes gospel advancement? Or is it simply promoting personal advancement? Uh, am, am I looking to make myself more comfortable here? Uh, the bigger house, the bigger car, the nicer car, the newer car, the, the newer furniture, the bigger TV, uh, the bigger vacations, the uh, upgrades in the garage. I mean, you can go on and on and on uh, about money or just simply stockpiling it and putting it away and having uh, this huge uh, bigger building bigger barns as Jesus referred to in the Gospels of uh, building bigger barns and filling them up and when those are full we build more barns to fill them up and Jesus condemns that guy in the story and says uh, he's a fool uh, because uh, this very night Jesus says your life will be demanded from you and then and then what what happens with all of this money and all these resources that you've just been hoarding and sitting in a barn and what happens to those and so the concept here is that we're managing it. This is God's money. We've been asked to steward it. And so how are we doing with that? Are we using our money, our resources in a way that actually advances the gospel? Um, you know, there's so many things going on in the world that we could use our money for right now that would be a blessing to people rather than a comfort to us. Um, and we read this in the, in the, te- in the Bible as well in a lot, a lot of places. But one I think is in particular interesting is in Jeremiah 29, uh, the first 10 verses before you get to the famous Jeremiah 29, 11, um, But the first 10 verses talk about the idea of God wanting um, his people that are living in exile to actually seek the peace and the welfare and the good of the city that they're in, even as exiles. Um, God wants them to seek the benefit of their city, to pray for their city to be engaged. He tells them to, to plant gardens and to, to have children and to get married and to, to put roots down. I think that's fascinating. And so in terms of money, uh, how could we seek the benefit and the welfare of our city? What projects could we do that really bring about peace and prosperity in a healthy way or education or equipping people with skills or abilities or life skills that maybe they don't have? How could we use our money to better our city in a way that also infuses gospel priorities and biblical values rather than just sitting in our homes and building a bigger fortress that's more comfy or more tech savvy or whatever? Um, and so I think that's another thing to be thinking about with our money as we're go- looking at this through the lens again of gospel-centered stewardship. Um, how can I use my money to advance the gospel? Obviously, there's things even be broader than my own immediate neighborhood as well. You think about unreached people groups. You think about the unengaged, un- 
and unreached people groups of the world. And there's still, I believe, thousands of unreached people groups all over the world that have never heard the gospel, never seen a Bible. They don't have the Bible translated into a language that they can read or write. And that's why supporting organizations that do Bible translation, uh, I think, is so important. Uh, My family personally supports multiple missionaries that do Bible translation work um, all over the world because we believe in the value of helping God's Word get into every language so that every tribe, tongue, and nation can have the opportunity to hear the gospel and hopefully respond to the gospel. And that's part of the Great Commission. And so while we can't go to those countries... Uh, we can use our money to support missionaries and translators and gospel ministries that do. Um, and so what, what does it look like in your life? Uh, who or what um, can you support or empower or um, equip to take the gospel further in your own neighborhood, um, in your own family, in your own city, in your own country and around the world? Uh, our money should have a bigger vision than just our own pocketbook. Um, And our money should follow uh, what we value and what we say we value. And so it's easy to say, yeah, we love our heart for the nations. We love the Great Commission. We want to make disciples. And I just want to encourage you to reflect, as I I have to do myself, if you really believe that, um, your money should should prove that to be true. Uh, Your checkbook should follow your values. Um, And so that's something to think about. And so the first two things, you're a manager, you're not an owner. Uh, second, uh, God's resources must be managed in a way that brings him glory. And, and third, and this is more of a warning, but it's still a timeless truth, uh, is that without maturity and a kingdom focus, money will destroy you. Uh, we, we see a lot of conversation in the New Testament about money. Uh, Jesus talks specifically about this in Matthew 6, when he says that basically you cannot serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. And it's interesting uh, that he makes that distinction between serving two masters, understanding that our heart as, as, as human beings is constantly bent towards comfort and security and power and wealth and greed and more. Um, and so I think that's something we need to wrestle with. I mean, we have to ask ourselves the question, who are we really serving? Are we really serving the Lord with all that we have? Or are we really serving money? And by serving money, I mean, are we just, are we getting up and going to work every day with the motivation that I've just got to get more? Or if I just get more money, then I can do the bigger vacation, which means I can do the bigger anniversary trip, which means the cars can get upgraded. I mean, it's this, it's this nonstop slippery slope. um, And we end up serving money and we end up serving the means to its end rather than, than other things. And so I just think that's something interesting to think about. Um, the other thing that I want to encourage you to think about is, is the reality that in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 6 through 10, we, we, we read Paul encouraging Timothy, who was a younger pastor, to be careful with money and to warn people about money. And he says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so we see this reality in, in Paul's letters to Timothy that that there is a real reality that, that money um, can become something that actually destroys you. Now, we have to remember that money in and of itself is amoral. That means that it's neither inherently good or evil, but the love of money. So money is not evil, but the love of money is evil. So if there's people, yourself or others, 
that just love money or they desire to be rich, that's where we have to be careful and that's where we really have to be on our guard and put up boundaries and things like that in our life to make sure that the love of money does not consume us. So, um, and last, last little side note on here, you know, as we look at people who desire to be rich and we see the love of money that is the, that is the root of all kinds of evil, is it any surprise that the majority of the world's false teachers are very wealthy, very rich people? I mean, think about that for a second. If the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, one of the ways we see that fleshed out very tangibly today is so many of the false teachers in our world are very, very, very wealthy. You think of Benny Hinn, uh, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, uh, so many others that I could list. Um, Joseph Prince. I mean, the list goes on and on. These are people that are not slumming it out in an urban neighborhood uh, working to make, make ends meet. Uh, these, these are people with incredible incredibly large salaries in the millions of dollars with multi-million dollar ministry net worth with private planes, uh, staying in hotels that are $10,000 a night. Um, I mean, this is not ironic to me that false teachers have somehow found a way to propagate a false gospel and have made a lot of money off of it. And uh, that's another thing that I think good gospel-centered stewardship of our money prevents us from going down that road. Because when I realize that it's not my main goal in life to be rich, my main goal in life is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbors as myself, and to disciple my, my family, and to disciple others, and to give my life away as best as I can. That includes my money. And so if I'm really focused on the gospel and on the mission of the church, which is making disciples of all nations, then it will be hard for me to hoard a lot of money and to make myself comfortable because I know that my mission really can't go forward if I live that way. And so I hope these three things are helpful for you as you think about gospel-centered stewardship in terms of your money. Um, be mindful of these things, be prayerful of these things, and I pray that that as you remember that you're just a manager and these resources must be managed in the way that ple- that please God and bring him glory and advance his mission and advance the gospel, that this would be a very tangible way that you demonstrate and declare the gospel. May God be with you in this. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find a wealth of resources, including free downloads, videos, book recommendations, sermons, training opportunities, and more at my website, www.displaythegospel.com.